It seems like everyone is creating layered and looped videos on social media. And why not? Without spending a lot of money on technology, you can create your very own chamber group with your favorite musician in the world, yourself. My name is Mary Galimi, your host for This Is You, a podcast by Dennis Wick. And this week, I'm bringing you an interview I had with the master of layering and looping, social media giant, and most importantly to us, Dennis Wick artist, Christopher Bill. And since it's always best to begin at the beginning, here is where it all started for Chris. So it started in college. I was, um, the first passion was probably arranging uh, popular music for chamber music. So um, I was writing like Beatles tunes for um, trombone quartet. Uh, even before that, when I was in middle school, I was writing like uh, classic rock tunes for brass ensemble. Wow. I mean, that was, obviously they were not good arrangements and we were middle schoolers, so it was not great playing. Like and none of it was great, but that was, you know, if I was doing that back then, uh, you can imagine that trajectory. And so in college, I was writing these arrangements for trombone quartet and playing them with a group in college. And um, they were friends of mine and they weren't as passionate about that. Obviously they're in school for classical music. That's what they were really passionate about. Uh, and just kind of playing this stuff for fun where I was kind of, I wanted it to be better. I wanted it to be um, just better played in tune and accurately and, and focused and, and actually kind of like be that higher quality. Um, probably my inspiration for that was uh, the Canadian Brass Beatles album. Oh yeah. And like that, it's this really impressive music that's uh, hard to play, and yet anybody who knows the song is just gonna enjoy it. So that was kind of the idea, and uh, and so instead of asking my friends to like, no, you need to go practice this music, you know, they're not. That's not what they're there for. I went and I decided to record all the parts myself, and that was the first version of this was me playing a couple classic rock tunes that I arranged and listening to all the parts and trying to put them together. And uh, so those were my first YouTube videos. And at that time, what tools were you using to do that layering? Because right now we have a bajillion ways to, mm -hmm. to go about doing this, but I'm guessing how, how many years ago was that? Uh, that was seven, eight years ago. Yeah, much different scene back then. But yeah, um, so that was a microphone that I got as a gift, a mm -hmm. Shure SM58 microphone, <laughs> which is like, if you go into any bar, and they have like a stage, they'll have a Shure SM58 microphone. It's like, they, they're known as the most durable, like you can throw it at the ground and it's fine. Uh, and it's, it's a pretty quality microphone. I still use it when I travel and, and play on stage. Um, Cause yeah, you throw it in your bag and it's fine. Uh, and it sounds great. And so I, I had that microphone, which was a gift um, for Christmas. And uh, uh, the interface I had was an M-Audio interface, but basically an interface is it gets that microphone uh, cable into your computer. And so I had, that was also a gift that I'm sure my family got on eBay or something. And, and that was it. And so I had that and I had free software called Audacity and that's, that was it. And so from just that and my arranging skills at the time, which again, weren't amazing. I was still kind of progressing with all of this. Uh, and then the other tool that I had that I, I don't think I give enough credit to is uh, my roommate and my friends in college, my very first year, were all production majors. Ah. And so anytime I had a question about anything on the recording side or the editing side, uh, they were there. And, you know, they're not professionals. They were st studying it in school, but they were in classes for all this. And so I could ask them questions. And so that's kind of, I probably learned a lot from them, mm -hmm. uh, just 
being around them and being able to ask questions uh, while I was doing these recording projects. Yeah. That's what's so great about college. Mm -hmm. you, you know, now years later, you don't have that community necessarily around you. And if you do, a lot of that community could be your competition. So that is ready to give you the tricks. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, so do you feel like, I mean, now there's so many different apps that you can use mm -hmm. to layer whatever you're doing to record. Um, do you feel like what you were doing back then, like it was easier to get a polished product with less back mm -hmm. then and to do it with a bit more steps? Or do you feel like it's easier now with all the apps that are available? I think it's easier to get a something, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but now. It might, now, but it might be harder to um, get something that you can tweak mm -hmm. and get really, really uh tuned into something that is, is closer to what your initial vision is. Um, that's just in my experience. But also, I know people are, you know, you use the tools that you have and learn how to use them. And so I think if I were using an app at the time when I started, I probably would have found apps that allow me to tweak it in that way and uh, or just found workarounds in the tools that I was already using to make that end product. Um, but where I started, I was using, like I said, this free software, and then I upgraded to the next stuff. And now I'm using industry standard stuff pretty much across the board. Um, if you go into a recording studio, like I use the same software and uh, equipment, and, and so now I've upgraded to that point. Uh, where the apps, I think, uh, I guess I don't know. You know, it, it's possible that you could get to a point where you have that professional quality with an app. Um, you know, there's recording equipment that plugs into a phone. There's yeah. the phone quality video is better than the first cameras I was using. So, uh, you know, in many ways, you can actually get a more professional quality a lot easier with the phone. I just think that next step, you at this point, you still have to transition to a computer to get to that yeah. next step. Uh, I don't know if that'll stay though. And you still have to know the basics mm -hmm. in the beginning. Like, and that's probably true for anything you're learning. There's always a quicker way to learn things, but you can't get away from learning, you know, microphone interface order of recording you know? maybe i don't know I don't that's know. the thing like the, you guys tell us after yeah. watching this video for those of you who had to start with uh doing your first uh looped or layered video uh let us know how that was for you and what you were using and uh what you learned from it yeah. but for those of you who want to get into it let's talk about some tips mm -hmm. i think for me the first place i would start or the first mistake i would personally make if i was doing it was potentially hearing a really inspiring piece of music and wanting to tackle it, which yeah. might be too difficult. So for those people who have no experience in larynx, where would you start? What type of music? And Well, what's kind of interesting is I didn't do looping at the beginning. Um, I was doing multi-tracks, which is, uh, they're very similar, which is I'm playing all the parts, but it's, a, it's like a four-part arrangement that any four players can play, mm -hmm. but I don't have four players. Mm -hmm. And so I do all the parts and I record them. Uh, the looping came later when I was still doing my own arrangements and I got to a piece, I think the first one was Viva La Vida by Coldplay, mm -hmm. and it's like, it's, it's a great piece, but the bass line is the same all the way through, and the harmony is all the same all the way through, and the drum part's the same all the way through. The only thing that changes is the melody, and so it's just kind of like, I don't really want to play this these four bars over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I had seen, um, Actually, the one that I saw first was a guy by the name of Reggie Watts mm -hmm. uh, looping with a microphone. So there's plenty of guitar players that use these pedals, but there was somebody who plugged a microphone into it and did, used his voice. And so that was just like, from that point, I was like, well, obviously I could play trombone into it then. 
And uh, so then I started experimenting with the looping. Um, and so that's basically the only, like, when I arrange now, it's, is the piece complicated enough to warrant a whole four-part arrangement? Mm -hmm. Or is it simple enough where I can maybe dumb it down a little bit and make it work with this, like, progression where the chord progression stays the same? And I can hopefully try to make that interesting to listen to all the way through, uh, adding harmonies and stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, that tradition is kind of... That's where I started from it. So when you're asking, like, if you want somebody to start looping, where do they start? I didn't start with looping. That was that was something that right. came after. So I think I would start with something very simple. Uh, a lot of pop music is, but um, you can look up um, different, uh, what is it, The Lion Sleeps Tonight is, like, a great piece. That's, like, probably my favorite first, like, uh, looped piece to try. Mm -hmm. It's uh, very simple, and everybody kind of knows the back, like, that, like, that part is, is just as much a part of the song versus other pieces where, like, you think of the chords as, like, background. Mm -hmm. But that's, like, another part that you can actually very easily pick out and kind of sing along to or play along to mm -hmm. and, and create this thing that's, that's a very simple song but fun to play and all the parts have a function. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of the way you have to think about it is, like, there's a bass line, there's percussion, there's harmony, there's melody, and they don't necessarily change. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a tricky thing with pop music too, because a lot of what you think is four or five parts is actually a really cool beat mm -hmm. and a very repeated note underneath. And how do you incorporate a beat mm -hmm. to a voice on an instrument? You know, and, yeah. and there are creative ways of doing it, but that's all it is. Yeah, and uh, a thing that I I like to think about is uh, what is your what is your end goal and like what is the product that you want. Uh, are you just trying to have fun playing? Are you trying to learn something from it? Are you trying to like fix your intonation? Are you trying to uh, have something that you can show your friends and family, like or like me, market to the whole world? Like, um, and what do you want that to sound like? How do you want that to come off in the future? Especially if you're posting it on something like YouTube, mm -hmm. that's around forever, like yeah. at least so far, and uh, it represents you. And so you want that to be at least. Again, in my experience, I want that to be a great representation of me on my best day when I post it. And hopefully I get better from there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of uh, working at it to get that end result. Um, but there's some kind of nuanced stuff when it comes to that that you don't think about because we're musicians who play acoustic instruments. You know, there's no amplification uh, like a guitar where you're, you're kind of changing it to this... Um, this synthesized sound that's being amplified, right? Uh, for what we do, it's we're trying to capture this like gorgeous natural sound, the vibration of the instrument. And uh, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting to think about when when I do what I do, especially in a loop or a, a multi-track. If you were in the room with me listening to me record, you would be hearing me play like a third trombone part, right? the actual thing mm -hmm. that I want people to hear never happens, mm -hmm. ever, until somebody hits play on that video. Mm -hmm. Like, it never happened. And so, like, what I'm trying to convey is something that doesn't exist. And so, you know, when I play live with people, it's a completely different feeling, it's a completely different thing, but that's what I'm trying to convey, is, like, the feeling of being at a live show with four real trombone players, if it's a four-part arrangement, and in order to convey that, you actually have to do a lot of stuff that you wouldn't imagine that you have to do um, to get that feeling and that vibe. Uh, and so the editing that goes into it, I think, 
that's the kind of thought is like, what, what is the end goal? What is, what do I want to convey? Because if you do what you would normally do in what we learn how to play our instruments in the way that you would want to do that, it doesn't actually come across because you're not playing with real people. You're playing with like a recording of yourself or whatever. And those other versions of yourself don't like move with the music mm -hmm. and they don't do that. So there are things that I've done with like, I don't talk, this is the first time I've talked about it, but like, uh, I'll play with the tempo just a little bit, mm -hmm. but I'm listening to a click track. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll have the click like fluctuate incrementally just throughout the piece. Mm -hmm. And, but I have to play with it because like all the parts have to move yeah. together or sometimes I'll play the bass line and then play the melody on top of that and then cut the bass line and play a new bass line with the melody and just kind of start lining that up where it's like, you can't feel the music if there's nothing that you're listening to or if it's electronic uh, yeah. MIDI that you're listening to. Um, and so there's these kind of things that like, man, it's a lot more work to get that feeling of like a live performance. Do you have a structure of recording? Like in order to get that feeling, you always start with the bass line or you always start with the melody or? Uh, it, it really does depend on the, probably the genre. Mm -hmm. uh, with a pop tune, it, it's not super important anymore because they are they are recorded to a very strict clip track and so we know what that feeling is of like uh it's not even real drums anymore just like a drum kit that is programmed that's a feeling and so if i'm trying to get that feeling like that's pretty easy now i, I record to a drum track that is strictly in time and, and that's a feeling mm -hmm. but for like a classic rock tune uh it's super important to have that kind of like free feel and so yeah I, I've, I've gone back and forth and it, it seems like the best way for me to get that vibe without spending so much time is to record the bass line and then the melody and then the bass line again. Mm -hmm. uh, just because it's, you know, I get the general vibe playing the bass line with nothing, mm -hmm. but it's not what it needs to be. Bass line with the drums usually. Uh, and then when I hear the melody in the drums, I can put the bass line right in the pocket. Mm -hmm. And so I usually have to re-record re that near the end of the process. Mm -hmm. But I need it to record the like melody yeah. to have that vibe. And it's just kind of, you know, there's only so much that I can do to hear it in my head or play the MIDI track and hear that mm -hmm. and play along with it without it sounding too, like, structured. Uh, and the other thing is, like, I have editing on my side. I can edit anything I want with this video. And like I said, it's going to be there forever. Mm -hmm. And so like you want authenticity, but even that it's like, I want it to feel authentic. Yeah. And if it's actually authentic, it doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't matter. You right. know, I need it to feel authentic no matter what. Yeah. And so sometimes that's making the time, like fixing the time in a way. So it lines up and sometimes it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like moving the time. So it's a little bit after the beat and like, yeah gives that vibe and it's like, it's over editing. But again, the, the point is that I need that. I want that to be like my vision of it. And I want it to feel authentic and feel like this uh, practiced piece that sounds like this at the end. And so whatever you have to do to, to get to that is, it's kind of funny to, to understand how much you have to do. Because like I said, it doesn't happen until somebody hits play. Yeah. So it's not real, you know? Yeah. You can't have four of me playing this this piece, it doesn't exist. Uh, and so what, whatever you have to do to get to that end goal is, it's fine, it's necessary. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We will pick up with Chris next week again with more tips on looping and layering. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Dennis Wick This Is You podcast. All these discussions are lovingly created to support our listeners on every road and intersection of their musical lives. If you have any subjects you would like us to cover or questions for us, feel free to contact us through the Dennis Wick app. Have a great month, and we look forward to meeting with you again soon.